Afternoon, just a little bit after one o'clock. My name is Mabali Muloy. And I'm Aspasia Karis. And um, <laughs> coincidentally enough, I mean, the guys from the Gentleman by Choice were talking about, well, they were talking to a uh, 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 Miss SA finalist, finalist, one of the Busi. top 12 finalists. That's right, Busi Matlangu. So, which, you know, and sometimes <laughs> this happens here is, um, you know, somebody does a show before you and then you realize during the, the show that, oh, we're talking about similar things, you know. Except, of course, we're taking the between two femmes position. We on are it. taking the femmes route. And so we're going to get into exactly what uh, we're going to or, or who and what we're going to be talking about later on. But, uh, you know, time is always an issue here. So I suppose let's get straight into it with the women's news. Aspasia, ready? Mm, uh, so ready. All right, let's do this. I okay. I introduced um, a very. <laughs> I introduced Oprah Dollars last week as the woman's news theme. Oh, okay, that could work. You know, hey, we try things out here. It's all right. Whatever, whatever we feel comfortable with is just going to have to do. But let me tell you about the first news story because it's all about male escort services, which is apparently I don't know if it's a trend that's picking up or if it's something that's been around for quite a while and really maybe people are starting to pay attention now. But yeah, male escorts. What do you? What where, do you? Think? Where are these escort services? Well, I mean, um, um, for, for one, there's a there's a site called Cowboys for Angels, right? Um, it's an American website because you know this is usually where the action happens. Is that's the where US. the cowboys reside. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's all about handsome, muscular men. Uh, most of them shown shirtless. If you go through their profile pictures, and uh, they say that they are selling companionship. Not sex, which is completely legal, but asked whether, you know, if a female customer or even a male customer to ask for some extra companionship per bed, for example, it's not to say that they would decline sex if clients asked for that. Ah. But I mean, you know, and this is the thing, male escorts, I'd really love to know whether this is a definite thing or if it's sort of starting to pick up or if it's been around for a while. I think it's probably been around for a while. Yeah. Um, do you remember that Louis Prima jo- song? I'm just a gigolo and everywhere I go. Gigolos, <laughs> of course. That's where it comes People from. People know the part I'm playing. There you go. Yeah. Further on the news, still in the US, mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton's um, so-called presidential bid. Well, we're not sure is she running for president, isn't she? But it's taken a bit of a blow this week because um, there's been a whole scandal, yet another scandal attached to a Clinton, <laughs> involving her private emails. Um, ah, yes. Because, you know, as Secretary of State, she conducted large portions of her business as Secretary of State on her private email account. Right. Meaning that a lot of stuff... Um, Went kind of unremarked upon when, when called for the public record now. There, there've been a whole lot of calls for the public record. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, it's actually, I think the Republicans are using it to, okay, to right. yeah, yeah, yeah. throw a lot of mud. Sure, uh, sure. Another in her direction. Another tactic. I mean, you know, everybody's saying that she, she will be running for presidency in the, in the next election. So they're probably starting soon. Um, but I was reading just yesterday that she's more than happy to, 
show these emails to the public, as she says. She says, I'm more than happy to open up my inbox to all of you so that you can go through these emails. And if you find something dodgy, then... I think f- the, the problem was that the the affairs of state were conducted on a private... As opposed to a work... A yeah. dedicated work uh, email. Dedicated email. And you know what? Email. You can never be too safe these days with these days with all the hacks that happen. Precisely. You know, people hacking into companies. Um, the other day, there was a story about how over a hundred million dollars was stolen from banks in a number of different countries by these hackers. You know that. Who who were operating rather cleverly, weren't they? Yeah, the whole hmm. Sony scandal as well. Um, so private emails, it's interesting. I thought everything was public. I mean, if you think you have private emails or private messages. You're so wrong. You're wrong. Um, it's not too long after the Oscar um, ceremony, the Oscars took place. But there is a new story kind of developing online. Um, people criticizing the male-dominated film industry with a new hashtag. It's hashtag film her story. Uh, film her story. I love that. Isn't just about female roles in an industry where only seven percent of major Hollywood films are directed by women. The people want more. Uh, the women want more. <laughs> well, yes, because there is a serious lack of biopics about real women. Uh, so thousands of people have taken to social media to highlight amazing women with film-worthy stories with the hashtag Film Her Story, which is great. I love it. I love it. Um, from Russia now. From Russia with love. Yeah. Apparently, a group of female teachers in Russia were told by an official who runs something called the All Russia People's Front, a coalition of pro-Kremlin groups. He basically told the mostly female audience of teachers to find a well-off man. Okay. Because... I want to give you some advice, he said. Focus on your personal life. (laughs) There Uh, are lots of good men in Russia, including minors. There you go. Um, And then he suggested that I think a woman's happiness can be found within the family. She should not work for the money, but for the art form. We're working for the art form. This is what we're doing. (laughs) Nine to fiving it for the art form. And men should support them. Otherwise, a woman turns into a workhorse who toils for 40 hours a week. And on top of that, she should be loving, educating, and taking care of the household. So thanks, um, the teachers from the Russian Svedrok Vlogs. Yeah, yeah, Jen yeah. probably took it too hard. <laughs> um, you know what? <laughs> thank you for your advice. We will, we will also thank you to not tell us what you think we should do. Mr. Kosarev. Mr. What's your face? Um, of the All Russia People's Front. You know, I'm not, I'm not a big makeup girl, right? Because it kind of intimidates me a little bit because a lot of the time when I put the stuff on, I just end up looking like a clown. But I did find an interesting article about how makeup counters use, um, strategic, um, lighting and positioning mm. of certain things and using magic angles to make us spend more. Um, for example, goodies are never sold in singles. They're always sold in multiples. And the magic number here seems to be three. So a lot of the time, it's very difficult to buy just one thing. They'll be packaged in, in multiples, you know, which is a clever tactic to get us to buy. Uh, nothing has a price on it. And I've noticed that a lot. A lot of uh, the time, you have to ask. You have to ask, I suppose, <laughs> because makeup is so expensive. Um, they probably don't want to scare you away before True. you've picked up the product, kind of looked at it, maybe tried it on a little bit, and now you see it on you and you like it and it looks good. And then when they tell you the price, you're like, <laughs> okay, I guess I'm prepared to pay that much. 
Free samples. Of free, course. Free samples, so of course. Sample. Always, you know, it's, it's the trick to get you, to get you to buy the, the really big and expensive foundation. So this is, these are just, uh, some of the little tricks that makeup counters use. I must admit that they always look so pretty. <laughs> I was there with their displays and their it's lighting true, and the, it's true. and the women who work there always look beautiful and they always smell nice and, you know. And I believe that, um, certain, uh, brands, for example, Estee Lauder will now come to say you're having a, a ladies lunch or your sister's, um, baby shower or whatever and they'll actually send somebody. Into oh. a home to bring those techniques, you know. Oh, okay. Straight in. It's like straight the in. it's like the new um. It's like those parties that women have, sex toys parties. You know, <laughs> where somebody arrives there with with sex toys, and then they they show you the different kinds, exactly. and they show you how to use it, and that kind of thing. Well, I was thinking more along the Tupperware <laughs> scenario, but okay. See, <laughs> sex toys. It's it's the it's the upgraded Tupperware party. Yeah, it certainly is. The, but on the same theme, apparently, um, these are the makeup you choose to wear. Obviously, is for you and you only. Says. Uh, this article on the Marie Claire site. But what I found so interesting was that they have, there are some pretty interesting ways to see how makeup affects men's perceptions of you. So. Well, let's hear these ways. Apparently blood red lips will hold a guy's attention longer than any other color. 7.3 seconds. A whole 7.3 seconds. Ah, pink, pink comes second. Well, this is probably why red lips is associated with the sex bomb. You know, <laughs> um, think Scarlett Johansson in a movie where they've put on a really tight dress and she's supposed to look alluring mm. and mm. she's usually got red lips on. And online, well, there you go. And yeah. Taylor Swift wears a lot of red. Yes, she does. Luppy. Um, in a recent study on online dating site Zeusk, men contacted women who wore eyeshadow 139% more than those wearing any other type of makeup. Hmm. That's quite peculiar. Um, I find that odd. I what does it mean? What does, what, what, where know. is the what connection? I don't know. <laughs> of course, men actually say that they always say that they prefer women with no makeup. So you're in luck there. Uh, yeah, Mike. look, you know, gosh, this makeup thing. I mean, I would, I will put effort in if, you know, if I have to be at some fancy event. Mm, mm. But other than that, I'm just like, you know, just leave me alone. <laughs> and then a study from Bangor University showed that men prefer it when women wear about 40% fewer cosmetics. Than they normally would on a night out. So mm. bear that in mind. Mm. And blusher. He hates blusher. So Zeusk also said that all that contouring, blushed, bronzed cheeks, they really don't like it. So stick to lips and eyes. Okay. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's always good to hear a man's perspective on these things. But, uh, there you go. We'll wrap it up there with the women's news. And then coming up next, um, I said we'd be, Kind of sort of picking off from where the uh, the gentleman left off in the previous show, they were talking to Busi Matlangu, who is one of Miss SA's uh, top finalists. Um, this afternoon, we've got some guests joining us, and we're going to be talking about are beauty pageants still relevant? You know, it's, it's 2015. It's an age-old... Um, <laughs> question, isn't it? It's an age-old custom celebration event. So the question really is, are beauty pageants still relevant? Coming up next on Between Two Femmes.
Best Mistake featuring uh, Big Sean there. That's Ariana Grande. Uh, this is Between Two Femmes. Welcome to it. This afternoon we're talking beauty pageants and whether or not they're still relevant in 2015. And joining us, Fasia and myself in studio this afternoon is Miss Earth SA, Ilza Saunders. Ilza, good afternoon. Hello. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Thank you for having me. We also got the National Director of Miss Earth SA. That's Catherine Constantinidis. Hello. Hi, Catherine. Thank you for joining us. And then we've got writer... Artist and activist Jermaine Delarge Also joining us this afternoon uh, And then our, our resident uh, <laughs> Voice of reason Voice of reason um, Arts editor of the Mail and Guardian Zota Kumalo Zoto, good afternoon, can you hear me? I can hear you, hello everyone Hi <laughs> Okay, alright, great um, So, ladies um, I did ask this question on Twitter <laughs> And then one of the responses that I got was this question I don't like. <laughs> it was from someone, it's from someone called uh, the Pied Piper on Twitter, and I really would have wanted them to elaborate more what issue they have with me asking this question. But yeah, it would seem to be to me more and more that this question is coming up a lot more often these days, or am I, am I wrong here? I received a video from Michael Dubé. I don't know if you received it. Mm-mm. Michael Dubé sent a video, which is kind of like, sadly, <laughs> The, like, sort of what happens with, with beauty pageants is you'll have somebody who freezes up on stage when asked a relevant question. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So I think it was Miss Zimbabwe or something. One of the contestants for Miss Zimbabwe who was asked, yeah, I don't know, water pollution. I've retweeted it. And just what are the main reasons of water pollution? I was like, is it a quiz or a beauty pageant? But anyway, <laughs> on the qu- she couldn't answer. She couldn't answer. She just like went into, of course, that's why we have Miss Earth, uh, and the, and, and Catherine here, the yes. founder of it, because they can answer that question really well. What are the main causes of water pollution? <laughs> that's the kind of question you get asked in biology though, high school biology. But like, they come miss on. Earth. They miss exactly, Earth. No, They're answering these the questions. Past. Absolutely. All the time. But mm-hmm. I think what, what perhaps the, the question is, is it still relevant to use women's sort of physical appearance for the promotion of any kind of cause, but specifically through via a pageant? And so that's why we thought it was important to bring you guys in. I also took a little interview, a spot interview from the lovely Busi, um, Busi Matlangu. Yes. Yeah. Of the, of the Miss SA, one of the, one of the, one of the pageant. And she'll, she'll weigh in a bit later, but, um. Okay. Well, well, let me start here with Ilza. Um, this, this notion, the stereotype of beauty pageants about, you know, beautiful women, full stop. That's pretty much where it ends. Nothing much more is required from them. I mean, how do you respond to those? 
ways of thinking? For me, I respond differently because I am Miss Earth South Africa and this, that's why I entered Miss Earth because it's a leadership program. And for me, that is important that women should be empowered to make a difference wherever they go. I believe that role models are very important in society and that is what Miss Earth do. They, um, grow us and equip us to be a role model and um, the Miss Earth South Africa program is socially environmentally based so for me to represent that brand it's not difficult to answer because I am a role model and I work hands on in communities and that is my main thing that I'm doing now and know that there is other competitions that are going on but they co- uh, their main thing or, the, or they, what they stand for is different from Miss Earth and that's why I'm so grateful for have this platform to make that difference or be that ambassador Jermaine, Aspasia does ask a, a good question, though, is why are we still using a, a woman's physical attributes to highlight whether it's a good cause that they're doing or to even give them a door into, you know, like a stepping stone of some sort? Because a lot of a lot of these um, these women who enter beauty pageants do turn out to become very successful women, uh, business women, entrepreneurs. You know, they go on to do great things. But why are we still using a woman's physical attributes to get her in to do something even greater and bigger? Um, yeah, Mabali, that's a, that's a good question. And thank you, Aspasia, for raising that. Um, and, and that, as dare I say it, um, a non-men bashing, leg shaving feminist, um, that <laughs> is my concern. Uh, because, you know, we live in a, in a world where um, merit is no longer seen as important. Um Someone's ability to do something or be something is less important than the package. Um, for instance, I mean, you know, beauty pageants started and the, the talent competition was how well you could sew or how well you could iron. And I don't see the difference between ironing and um, kind of um, making it seem – allowing beauty pageants to, to still um, exist – Simply count within, couching it within environmental terms or with whatever else the catchphrase is. Um, in other words, why are we choosing sexy issues and couching it within a sexy package? Mm. Um, and for me, and it's not only a woman's issue. Um, men are falling a victim to this as well. Um, I mean, we had Justin Bieber photoshopping his package. <laughs> you know? um, Oh, yes, we did. Yes. So, um, thanks yes, for that mental did. image. But, you know, so, so why? You know what um, you mean. I love to think so, about yeah. Justin Bieber's package. <laughs> so, so, it's, so it's not just a woman issue or a, a beauty pageant issue. For me, it's a, it's a much greater issue where, um, emphasizing beauty and couching everything within the beauty myth, um, excludes a lot of people and excludes a lot of issues. Um, there are issues that are less sexy than conservation, but that are, are more important than conservation. And why aren't we looking at those issues? And why aren't we having the the cum laude um, doctoral student at WITS mm. um, leading those issues instead of a person who happens to be good looking? So, Adwa? I think... That's a very valid question. But, I mean, in this day and age, we can't lie and pretend that we're not attracted by beautiful things. Mm. I think um, if you did have, you know, the, the, the top student in botany driving these issues, nobody would pay attention because 
biodiversity, earth issues, those kind of things are not sexy and people aren't really interested unless put in a, in a pretty package. Uh, whether Miss Earth does achieve their, their aims and their goals to drive those issues is another story. But, I mean, it's the same thing that Marie Claire does every year with the annual Naked issue where they highlight very important issues that people would otherwise not pay attention to if it wasn't packaged in the way that it is packaged. So uh, my, my main concern with, with beauty pageants is that the standards of the beauty are very skewed. Um, you, you, I mean, the beauty, the beauty pageants use Western ideals to define that beauty, and that for me is the most problematic. Catherine, let me bring you in here because you are the, you know, among other things, you are the director of, of, of a pageant like Miss Earth SA. So, you know, maybe let me ask you then, the intentions, the purpose, the, the reason behind such a pageant. So we really framed the Miss Earth as a leadership program for women. And the idea behind it is to give young South African women who choose to apply the opportunity for them over a period of about eight months to understand that they, in fact, have such a great role that they can play within their communities. They have so much to offer just by giving of themselves in the right way to specific causes, to specific programs, schools, and community initiatives that actually exist. So the the idea behind what we do is really to by the end of our program each year, to have developed 25 women who have been broken down from about 75 um, regional participants across the country to young women who do become a voice of environmental and climate concerns. Um, I think that, you know, the point just made is the fact that we do live in a very materialistic kind of world. Mm. We live in a world where people will make an assumption based on how you look or their first perception of something. Mm. And we use the Miss Earth South Africa ambassadors to make sure that they're educated young women who understand the environmental and climate concerns of our country, our continent and the world for them to use the platforms that they're given and the attention that they're given to drive those specific agendas and needs. Um, okay. Here's, here's, here's mm. my question. Um, I mean, we know that our society is actually slightly skewed towards actually we're, we're more likely to promote beautiful people, apparently. Well, there we'll, are st- statistics. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're more inclined to look at them. So is it so wrong to use a beauty pageant in order to highlight a – so that I'm playing devil's advocate – in order to highlight a social cause – and on the other hand, though, have we as women not progressed far enough um, not to have to rely on those things in order to make our points in society or to have to, um, you know, essentially get on, get ahead by having to be beautiful because that's what it's always been about and that has been our currency. Well, and this is the thing, and you know, maybe Jermaine, I can bring you in here, but you know, Jermaine, you're very appropriately for named for, for a, a feminist. Of, for a did your mother do that on purpose? <laughs> um, appropriately, my father did. <laughs> did your father do? I mean, a lot of women strive to look better. You know, we we want to look more beautiful, and when we do take pictures of ourselves, we, you know, we layer on the makeup and we use Photoshop because you know we we striving to look our best all the time. So, what what's so wrong with that then? 
<laughs> okay, I, I think to 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 answer that, I need to draw in um, what Zordwa said about um, skewed beauty ideals yeah. and and Western beauty ideals, and then what Aspasia mentioned about what is so wrong about using the fact that society is obsessed with beauty to actually send a message. Um, so first of all. What is so skewed about the beauty ideal and what is a Western beauty ideal? Um, obviously, the implication is that a Western beauty ideal does not include cultures other than Western cultures. Mm. But even within the Western culture, who is beautiful according to the West? Is an, a, a, well, a disabled person? That. No, no. <laughs> is a disabled person um, beautiful? Is a transgender person beautiful? Mm. Um, you know, so Bruce Jenner is on. very beautiful, and I don't want anyone to argue with me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're not. That's that's for another show. <laughs> okay, I just I want to put that out there. Yeah, it's not actually for another show. It's it's a, it's a, it's a pertinent point. Mm. If um if a transgender person joined the pageant there is no um there is no rule in any of the pageants which state that the person has to be born female so you know so again we have the idea but but i I think the problem i suppose here with you asking um whether it's what is so wrong with using beauty in a world where we're materialistic i mean are we really going to shift deck chairs on the titanic here and and um go you know what this is the society we have and well let's just deal with it. Is that what we as women have come to, to make the best of a bad situation? Um, I, I really think that instead of, I think the focus... Well, here's yes, the question. Yeah, yeah. Is it a bad situation? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, uh, yes, it is. Um, for, for me specifically, um, I as a, a as a gay person and a person who does not um, identify as female, why is it important mm-hmm. for me? What, how do I respond to the question of whether beauty pageants are relevant? And I can only say that in a South Africa, not never mind the world, in a South Africa where women um, and men are um, abused daily and killed daily for the way that they look. We have um, lesbians in Soweto being correctively raped every single day because of the way they look. Mm. It's not because they're lesbian. Mm. It's because they look like men and they threaten so the, not the masculine ideal. Yes. So should I seriously be wondering about worrying about whether I can get into a beauty pageant when there's things like this happening? You know, and surely, surely, uh, uh, if we're going to have a pageant, I mean, the, the numbers are not declining for mm. entrance for beauty pageants, sadly. <laughs> and we have the tantrums and tiaras scenario. Um, but so if we're not going to have a world where pageants are no longer um, allowed, sh- surely we should reframe pageants. Okay. Um, Ilza and Catherine, let me bring you ladies back in here because I don't know if you're familiar with this reality TV show called Toddlers and Tiaras. It's about, you know, young girls as young as like babies when they're born, their mothers shove them into these, into these beauty pageants. And a lot of people like to speak out against this show saying, you know, what are you doing to your child? It's damaging. You're already teaching her. You know, that her physical appearance is the only thing that really matters. That matters. That's, that's her currency, her value as a woman. So I'd actually like to get your, your opinions on that from you, Ilza, as somebody who's, who, you know, you are Miss Earth. Um, when you, let's say you have a child one day and she's three years old, 
would you be the type of mother who would put her in a beauty pageant? No, because I'm not from a background that supported um, beauty pageants in that way, being mm. beautiful and stand out physically. Physically, For me, it was, from I can remember, I joined charity work, and I'm a very down-to-earth woman and want to get my hands dirty with 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 social stuff and environmental stuff. So for me, I will never let my little daughter into that. But I will let her into it because really, I can, to emphasize it, really, I'm so glad I can be a, be a role model on that ambassador because it gave me that platform to travel with the Ministry of Environmental Affairs and go to the biggest climate change conference in Peru and represent South Africa the things that really matter in society or in the world. And okay, that is... Okay, but what about Miss South Africa? Would you let her into Miss South Africa? Me into Miss South Africa. Mm. My daughter. I rather say she need to enter Miss Earth South Africa. Really, I stand um, be, um, behind it. Um, I don't know what they what their aim is, but for me, um, being Miss Earth, I really um, I appreciate it to have that background mm. or to, that platform because. Like I said, I believe that we need role models in, in our society and for me just to be a role model and, and to be very honest to you guys, I'm always in my gum boots, jeans and a t-shirt working with the children and planting trees. So <laughs> for me, that is more my thing and being, um, just to dress and be beautiful, like you said, it's important for us, some women that to feel beautiful and be healthy, um, it's for me like a chair on the um, top. I'm green and glam, but that is just who I am. But for me, um, just to be a role model, whoever I'm work with, um, it's for me important. And something I already, um, I, I don't know if you saw it. Um, it's called Miss. Um, you can do it. It's a pageant for disabled people. So what they do, I think, is in based I was in going USA. to mention that. Yes, that is so amazing. It's in the UK, is it in UK? Mm. Okay, so they what they do is a pageant for disabled people, and they help them and give them confidence to accept who they are. And if they have disabilities to do something, um, not to do or walk on their run, they give them the opportunity to be themselves and just to appreciate what, where they come from and just accept that. Well, what was interesting about that, Miss You Can Do It, is that it was started by a disabled, disabled uh, woman. She was she was quite young and when she started it, and it was really just an attempt to actually change perceptions about, well, what is considered beautiful? Mm. And so the pictures are really incredibly moving when you see these girls dressed up. I mean, because that's the trouble is that there is this idea of you do want to be a princess as a small girl. These are notions that are like sort of fed into your, you know, worldview. And so it's interesting that at least Disney is changing these things slowly, but surely in terms of what they're actually perpetuating in girls' minds. But nevertheless, all these girls who are in wheelchairs, who have been born with cerebral palsy, who have um, terrible conditions, and yet feel like a princess for a day, um, so which which was lovely, but yeah, and moving. But is it changing general perception out there? Yeah, I mean, this is good for them. I mean, Zato, let me ask you here. You know, you're a resident voice of evil. Um, something like what Asmasia and Ilza have I just mentioned. I thought she was the voice of reason, not the voice of evil. Voice of no, did I, did I say the voice of evil? <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Zadra, I don't know what's been going on, but since last time you've become <laughs> the voice. But let of me evil. let me ask a potentially insensitive question here. Is that changing perceptions, as Asfasia asks, or is it patronizing? Well, you know, I think 
I can't really answer that, but I can say that I don't think beauty competitions perpetuate. I don't think they have that amount of strength to perpetuate these these uh, Western ideals, for example, that that Miss Africa would, you know, would perpetuate. I wouldn't give them that much credit. So, for you know, for, from I, I don't, I'm not a disabled person, so I wouldn't be able to answer that question. I would I would imagine somebody who does have that kind of um, syndrome or background or, or whatever the case is would, would be able to say whether it's patronizing or, or it's not. I don't know how anybody else feels in the studio. If, yeah, if I could jump in there. Um, so my best friend happens to be disabled and mm. we were discussing this show um, and what I was going to say. And she actually said, you know, the fact that we have these, so, so the beauty pageants exclude people um, and then these excluded people then perpetuate this idea and go and create their own beauty pageants mm-hmm. like the disabled beauty pageant like the Mr. Gay and etc um, the Miss Plastic Surgery yes. China yeah. <laughs> oh, really oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 that's, that's quite something it's quite spectacular yeah. I view that slightly as a disabled person but carry on so, so the question would be um, why are Okay, so and Zordwa, to, to continue with, with your point that beauty pageants mm. are not powerful enough to perpetuate this beauty myth. No, they're not powerful enough, but they feed into a very, very powerful media and social industry and awareness that we as women and all human beings need to be look a certain way. Um, these disabled people do not need a pageant to feel confident they do not need a pageant to express how confident they are um, and they certainly don't need to dress up to feel confident um, and I, so for me that is the problem is is are you we, saying that you they, that, that it's patronizing that y- it's, yes uh, most definitely um, place for it. But, but are you not taking away their choice um, okay. Because they would choose to be part sure. of it because maybe that is what they need. Sure. Um, I have no problem with, 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 uh, with gay people or transgender people or disabled mm. people wanting to be part of a pageant. Um, my, my role as devil's advocate is yeah. simply just to ask, um, why do we feel the need to perpetuate the Disney myth? Um, mm. why do we feel the need to, um, perpetuate an idea that even within these small communities we need to look a certain way. Mm. A, a mm. Bruce Jenner doesn't pass because she isn't beautiful enough. Mm. And that's mm. why we were making such a big deal about her. Um, if mm. Bruce Jenner looked like a trans person is supposed to look like Laverne Cox, we wouldn't have a problem. Mm. Mm. So, mm. interesting. Mm. You know, Very so, good point. So, so within each small little community. So we don't know what Bruce Jenner could end up looking like. Yet, because that's the point, Despacio. It doesn't matter what she ends up looking like. She is trans and she is beautiful. Yes, Um, true, true. I think that's the idea that official that she is. uh, No, it's not official. Um, And you know, but and it's all people. Um, speculation. We're still speculating. (laughs) Catherine, um, uh, let me just bring you back in here because. Um, you know, as, as Ilza was speaking, it, it almost sounded as if, you know, you as a Miss Earth organization sort of see yourself as different from maybe a Miss South Africa. So I'd like you to, to just maybe say where you see yourself as different because at the end of the day, if Ilza weighed a hundred kilograms and had an acne problem and if she didn't look as beautiful as she does, she wouldn't have the title. I, I'm so glad you actually asked that because there's a few things. We're differentiated because we don't judge 
Elsa didn't parade in a swimsuit. Mm. She didn't even take part in a show. Mm. Um, How does it work? That's what I wanted to ask. So the young women who become a part of the program have to do two community programs within their um, community each month for a period of four months. One of them is an environmental program. Um, So, for example, the one month they have to go and identify an area where they can Put in a community food garden. Um, in that same month, they would do a social community project. For example, they would, uh, amongst their friends and her network of influence, she would uh, get people to give her um, non-perishables. And together with her group of whoever supported her, they'd find and mm. identify either a family or a community project that that um, that produce and stuff would then go to. The, another month they would go into a school and they'd do an energy efficiency project. Mm. There are letters that have to come back from the school. There are certain requirements that have to be fulfilled in order for them to go to the next through Never. to the next round. They have to be able to have very strong a, a strong passion and understanding of the environment and specific causes. And the ability to grow. For us that's the most important thing. Not every young woman walking around is an environmental activist. Not everyone even knows that there's something called climate change. But the ability to grow and to understand the information given to them, they go through extensive workshops over that period of time and they're then judged on the community projects they've done, the environmental uh, understanding, education, and knowledge. And through a rigorous um, interview process right at the end with a panel of judges from all walks of life, they have to be able to, to sort of whoever is the strongest will, will come through. So we have had girls who have got acne and have issues with that. We have had girls that are not your typical size 8 or 10 model body. And people say, oh, my gosh, I miss Earth's a bit fat. Or, you know, you miss Earth's a little bit bigger than the next girl. Mm. But she has got a very well-rounded South African bum, which I'm very proud of. And, you know, she does the job well. If she speaks... She makes you stand and listen, and that's what it's about. So beauty is in the eye of the beholder. What I think is beautiful, the next person might not think is beautiful. And the thing is that we're looking for environmental ambassadors. Mm. We're not looking for somebody who looks good in a bikini. I said to Ilza today, I'm, I don't mean to be rude, but, you know, you're beautiful, and that's really a cherry on the cake, but it's got nothing to do with why you're Miss Earth. I think perhaps then this is... In fact, why I thought you would be actually interesting guests for the show because I feel that you are, in fact, thinking about the idea of a beauty pageant in a different way. Absolutely. Actually removing the entire pageantry. Absolutely. And using using it as a title. The power of a woman. A woman doesn't have to wear a sash to walk into a room and to have jaws drop. It's her demeanor. It's who she is. It's her style. It's her confidence that people are going to look at. And if, if you're attracted to that woman by those, um, those qualities that she has, you have the power to say something of meaning, to influence a conversation. And that's just because of the way the world is. Okay, we've got Can Gabby. Okay, sorry, Zotto, I'll come back to you. Uh, we've got sure. Gabby Sanchez on the line. Gabby's calling and she wants to put in her, her two cents worth, I suppose. Gabby, can you hear me? Hi, yes. Yeah, go ahead. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah. Um, firstly, uh, I think we're, we may be going around in circles trying to justify certain types of pageants um, and, and sort of vilify others. Mm. Um, I think what we must remember is that pageants all stemmed or, or were established from a very, very um, singular place. And it was one of um, intense oppression of women, 
um, oppression of women that has still not been lifted. Contrary to popular belief, um, we are not post-feminism. Um, we're not post-anything. Um, we still have a very long way to go. And in a society that um, really feels women, whether they're politicians, whether they're businesswomen, or whether they're models, um, the fact that their bodies are absolutely free game uh, to be used for uh, uh, branding. Um, I think that's, that's, that's another point. I'm just going to go on a little bit of a tangent. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting that uh, a key point hasn't been touched on. One of a financial gain in terms of this whole pageantry business. And this financial gain comes in the form of who is making the most money out of these pageants. Is it the women? Is it the, the women who are empowered? Is it, is it the, the pageant contestants? Yes, of course, some of them are able to go on and do certain things. But like we've mentioned before, um, they're seen to only have been deemed worthy of doing these extra things by, because they partook in this certain competition and not because they inherently have the skills, the knowledge, and the worth. Um, what's interesting is that competitions like Miss South Africa, like um, Miss World, Miss America, are notorious for having huge sponsors, sponsors that are quite controversial. Mm. Controversial, Donald Trump owns Miss Universe. Donald Trump is quite possibly the most vile, sexist, misogynist that is very prominent in the media. Also with some very surprising hair, I might add, Gabby. (laughs) Gabby, I'm always just in a state of shock at (laughs) Donald Trump's hair. What is going on there? Despite the hair that looks like a small dead animal, um, how are we contributing? And there was a comment earlier of, of that pageant... How, how are they really powerful enough to perpetuate the business, perpetuate um, oppression of women, uh, perpetuate uh, self-esteem issues in young girls and girls of all ages, uh, ethnicities and abilities. As someone with a disability, I take real facts yeah. in, 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 in this, not because I want to be... Uh, a certain way or not like that, but purely because anybody, whether it's my body that's used as some justification for someone's CSI project. Gabby, what about, let, let me just jump in here. What do you make of these these male pageants now? You know, for example, with Mr. South African, you've got these guys with their shirts off and their six packs and we love it and we drool. I mean, isn't that the same thing? Absolutely. But that, that in itself is not a separate issue. Mm. It's the same issue. It all stems from this horrible thing that we're not talking about, which is patriarchy and its systematic institutional control over the media, over business and sponsorship deals and investment into social issues. And it's, it's something that permeates both very overtly and very subtly and sneakily 
Okay, thanks, Gabby. I think we're gonna we're gonna leave it there for now because we, we're almost running out of time, and I want to see if we can get Zota back into the conversation. But I would I would suspect that you agree with some of um, Gabby's sentiments, Jermaine. Um, she d- she did mention you know at the end of the day also it's, it's it's about money as well. Let's not forget, and you know, sex sells, beauty sells. Um, yeah. yeah um, I mean, just on my my little research expedition about Miss Earth, um, it's interesting to note that with their environmental cause being central to the the non-pageant, um, that an oil company is one of the biggest sponsors. Um, but but and that kind of but but that is not the point. The 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 politics of the pageants is not the point, and the the issues that the pageants raise are not the point. Um, I mean, as Gabby says, it's not it's not whether um, Miss South Africa is going to be able to do something in society. It's not about whether Miss Earth is going to be able to um, change people's minds about sustainability. The question is, how is this being done, and what is I think I think that's the key mm. about today. Is Ilza, you're a role model, but what kind of role model are we being for our young children? Are we saying to them that you need to look a certain way in order to get somewhere in, in this country? Do you need to look a certain way in order to be able to make a difference? Zodwa? Um, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that voice of evil. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do, I mean, I do think that um, the, the solution isn't to outlaw them. Um, but I do believe that there, you know, there are good platforms. If you if you have beauty and you have sort of socialite ambitions and you want to do more tra- charity work, then great, you know, jump on these bandwagons. But I think um, they definitely need to be reframed and become more inclusive. If you're going to have, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm using Miss South Africa the whole time, but if you're going to have competitions, beauty competitions that are representative of an entire country. Um, but just you know, cater for a certain slice of the population. That that is that's problematic. And I did say before that they are very small. And you know, the, the fact that they're no longer shown on the public broadcaster does kind of give them less sort of credence and less viewership as well. Um, but there definitely is a huge market for it. I mean, in countries in South America, for instance, there's one small provincial town that that's banned them because it's becoming a huge industry. I mean, these competitions have plastic surgeons on board who mm. recommend mm. that they nip here and pack a there and add there to fit into a standard that's been created by, by you know, Western societies. So well, in light of what you're saying, Zodwa, mm. about the idea of what is beautiful, what is mm. so peculiar is that around the world, like we look at trends, obviously, in, in what is considered beautiful. We're, we're a fashion magazine. And mm. what is happening, um, I went to, we, we actually had the plastic surgeon here who told us all about it, that in fact, women's faces mm. around the world are being molded yeah. into one look. shape, yeah. one look, yeah. one nose, one jawline, one. So in fact, it doesn't matter what color they are. They all mm. look the same. Mm. Mm, mm. And so hence making the sort of, I don't know if you've ever actually looked at pictures of the Miss um, China competitions, but the entire, 
all the women are interchangeable. They could all be the same woman because they've all had exactly the same plastic surgery. It is a completely crazy notion, and it certainly feeds into what Jermaine is talking about, that we're ending up with this, like, sort of one idealized form of womanhood that nobody else... If you don't look like that, then you're not part of it. I want to give well, Catherine, I want to give Catherine and Elsa, um, just, just the last few seconds because mm-hmm. we now we really have run out of time, but I'd like to get your final word. Um, Jermaine pretty much saying, you know, these pageants come from a, a time and place where they were, you know, women were oppressed and going forward, there's no place in our society right now for these kinds of things. Um, you know, it sounds like Zota was kind of saying, well, maybe not rule them out completely, but we can make some tweaks and adjustments here. So I want to get your final say. So I, I think that she makes a very valid point. And the entire framework within which we work is very much a refined, modern version of how do we give women an opportunity to actually um, learn certain skills, understand the communities and the opportunities they have to make a difference. The one thing we must never underestimate is the fact that the the idea of a woman, even in the corporate space today, women are um, judged in accordance to what they look like and and how they dressed and and the kinds of things that they portray. I think that it's really important that um, we we have. I'm very proud of the the platform and the program that we've created because we've been able to have a real impact on the ground, grassroots in communities, not only in South Africa, but across our continent. And we're able to really inspire young people to understand sustainability from a different perspective. We wouldn't be able to, we wouldn't have credentials such as being part of a South African Minister of Environmental Affairs, part of her South African delegation to international conferences. And she wouldn't really care with what, what we thought if it was just about how somebody looked. Thank you very much. That's the National Director of Miss Earth SA, Catherine Constantinides, Miss Earth SA, Ilza Saunders, uh, Zotwa, our voice of reason, Zotwa Kumalo, arts <laughs> editor of the Mail and Guardian, and then Jermaine Delarge, writer, artist, and activist. Thank you all so much for joining us this afternoon. Wow. Thank have, you, guys. We, yeah, so <laughs> we have well and indeed run out of time. Uh, we'll catch you again next week, cliffcentral.com.